Hello and welcome to French Football Weekly International Edition. Uh, my name is Chris and as you may have detected, I'm not feeling the best. Uh, I'd like to say it's because of a heavy night of partying and wild celebrations in the Chris household. Um, unfortunately, that is not the case. I just am under the weather. So apologies in advance. But as my guest today, Mr. Jeremy Smith said pre-recording, I do sound incredibly sexy. Isn't that right, Jess? I want that on record. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> right, enough about me. Uh, we are here, Jez, to uh, discuss the semi-final. And uh, it went exactly as we hoped it might. Well, maybe not exactly how we hoped it might. I mean, 12-0 would have been delightful, but uh, it went to the uh, degree that we are in the final. Back-to-back World Cup finals for France and an opportunity and, and potentially the chance to retain the trophy. 2-0 victory over Morocco. Let's um, let's just jump in head first then, Jess. What, what was your sort of feelings? Obviously, we got the early goal. Um, I think we have to give Morocco a huge amount of credit. I mean, they were the walking wounded from losing a gird in the, in the warm-up and they lose, lose Saez, I think it was 20 minutes in. Um, they were fantastic, but that was just the perfect start, wasn't it, for France and, and a really tidy finish from Teo Hernandez, who I thought probably had his best game in the tournament in this particular match. Yeah, I think that's probably fair, um, considering <clears throat> we'll probably come to it, the lack of support that he had in front of him. But um, I think, yeah, Morocco had those two big blows. To be fair to France, they had a couple of blows beforehand as well in that um, Rabiot and, and Upamecano were both ill, so it had to be replaced by um, Fofana and, and Canate. But <coughs> even with everything that we said about France's relatively thin squad, I suppose you have to say that that there may be stronger replacements than, um, or sort of lesser losses than than Aguerd and then Saïs a few minutes in. Um, so those things went France's way. And, and as we said the other day, the, the first goal was probably going to be crucial because Morocco had only just conceded one goal all tournament. If they got that first goal, they'd have something to defend. If France got it, then Morocco would have to would have to attack more, and I suppose it depends what exactly you're looking for from from France or from an international team or from a heavy favourite in a given match. Um, you could say that you know with that early goal, with a supposed sort of superiority, France should have opened up and, and played better football. But then, to an extent, I'm sort of tempted to say, why should they? Um, this is like, we've kind of been having this debate since 2018 about, you know, is Deschamps, uh, some people say, you know, he's a sort of anti-football, he's a horrible manager, look at the amazing attacking riches he's got, and, and yet he plays this kind of football. But also, look at the four semi-finalists this year. Let's be fair, none of them have played particularly exciting, expansive football. Um, even Argentina, you know, France are the top scorers so far. Um, so there, there's that. Um, and the same in 2018. They scored 11 goals in the, in the knockout stages. You can't on one side say it's, it's bad football and on the other hand, kind of ignore the fact that they're... they're still scoring a lot of goals in the process. Um, 
yeah, as I said, even Argentina are sort of huffing and puffing, but it's not great attacking football. I think all four semi-finalists are more based on on kind of being mean and hard to beat. And Deschamps is a past master at that. His job is to win trophies. It's not to sort of, you know, there's no judges sitting there giving points for artistic merit. It's not ice skating. Um, and I think more and more in international football, there's fewer opportunities for coaches to really embed a, an exciting style of play within the team. And especially in this World Cup, seeing as there's been no sort of lead time to it because of its mid-season, and especially for France because of all the injuries they've got, I think they're more than entitled to play in this way. And, um, you know, another, I might throw a few stats out there today, I don't know, but um, this is France's seventh World Cup semi-final. The first three... The first one, I think they, they lost like 5-2, 5-3 to Brazil. The second one was the epic in 82 with uh, Schumacher and all that. Amazing football, but they drew three all and, you know, still attacking from 3-1 up and then lost. The next one, you know, it was the kind of end days of a really talented team who were just knackered after, you know, their quarterfinal against Brazil, which was arguably the, the greatest match ever in World Cups. So they sort of, and then the four since then, they've won them all. So France have kind of learned the hard way. And maybe this goes back to what we were saying about England and what they're just missing. France have learned the hard way that these matches are not about playing beautiful football. They're about winning. And so, yes, Morocco had a lot of the ball. But, yes, they only had three shots on target all match. So, you know, OK, there are a couple of sort of lucky ricochets here and there. But the fact is, France let them have the ball and you could argue, in a sense, weren't even that ruffled. They were still pretty much in control. You know, and El Nesri, their main striker, in 66 minutes, he had three touches and one of them was the kickoff after France's goal. So, all in all, I can understand, arguably like the England match as well, I can understand why people say France got away with one, they played really badly... And I agree it wasn't their best match, but I think they did exactly what they set out to do and they did it almost perfectly. I think you make some really good points there. And I was I was, I was actually thinking about, before we go into the game, a point I wanted to, to sort of pick you up on there, about the style of play. And, you know, a lot of people have said, oh, yeah, France aren't really great to watch and, and blah, blah, blah. But the, the facts are, if they go on to win it, or even if they don't, even if Argentina win it, nobody's going to remember who plays brilliantly at the end of the day. They're going to remember who wins the trophy. And I think that um, if you have the choice, of course, you want to win, uh, you know, a league title in, in, in free-flowing football. But I was looking at it and I was thinking to myself, if you pick out what I would call the top nations, and what I mean by that is, you know, those nations that have done it at this level before, I don't think I don't arguably would say any of them have been consistently brilliant. Like Brazil had that one game against South Korea where they were great. You know, Argentina were, were pretty good in spells against against Holland. Um, arguably, probably France against Australia, although it was weaker opposition was when they really came out. Um, you know, England had a couple of games. I don't know how much you can read into the Iran game, but the point remains that teams have had spells. Oh, they've had games, but I don't think one team has blown teams away in this tournament, you know, or has been consistently good 
in this tournament. So I, I totally agree with you. Watching the game live, I just like I would go wider than that and say not this just this tournament. When was the last time that a, a team won a tournament playing? beautiful flowing football yeah i'll give you maybe spain's two euro wins but even spain's world cup win i know i've said this on this pod before but have a look like they lost the first match one nil okay they beat chile and honduras well done and then all all four of their knockout matches were one nil they only had three scorers all tournament and the football was insipid and everyone Mm. remembers it as this amazing beautiful tiki taka bollocks i mean i that's not fair. I love Tiki Taka when it was Barcelona and they were free flowing and they were looking to score loads of goals. But that, you know, Spain set out to win the World Cup and they did what they needed to do to win it, which was score the goal and then shut up shop. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do agree. And I, I think I think as well, into that, I think we're we're so brainwashed is the wrong wrong terminology, but we're we're so ingrained in watching league football um that we just assume that a team is going to do that on the international stage and it, it's just a different type of football isn't it international football is just very different um and one thing that a lot of clubs who have succeeded on the international stage have managed to sort of almost foster this club mentality you know making it like a club team which certainly i think we'll come we may come on to about how france were you know, and we 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 did say pre-tournament everyone was banging on about this. Oh, they're going to implode rubbish, and it has proven to be nonsense. Um, but I do want to talk about uh, obviously bits and bobs in the game. That finish from Hernandez was was exceptional, isn't it? Because Mbappe obviously looks in prime position to to tuck it away. It was a, a really good block, but that was that was no easy finish, was it? And I think the fact that he got, I mean, if I got my leg that high, I'm, I think I'd end up in casualty. But hitting it down into the ground was what seemingly did for the, the defender on the line. Um, Bonu was was nowhere near it in terms of making the save, but that's the left-back popping up to score that goal. So you talk about expansive football, just a really good finish, and it, it settled the nerves, I guess, if there was a need in it after five minutes. Yeah, I think um, you know, it's the left-back scoring. I'm still not convinced that he's... I was going to say I'm not convinced he's a left back. I'm not sure. I'm not convinced any full backs nowadays would count as full backs sort of 20 years ago. He, he's not um, Lizarazu, is he? <laughs> yeah. I mean, <clears throat> most of them, it seems like if they can do a bit of defending, that's a bit of a bonus. But um, yeah, it was, you know, if a striker had come up with that finish, it would have been brilliant. So for a left back to do that, it's really impressive. And he's, as you said, prob- not so much this World Cup, but he's got a very good record in his small, short France career of either goals or assists, yeah. um, which is, is really impressive. And as you said, again, sort of speaks to a team that's more expansive than some people would admit. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Once that, that goal had gone in, there sort of followed a period of of um it was almost like a bit of a lull in the game where, where France, as you said at the start, they, they kind of looked like a team that were like, right, we've got the goal. It's not up to us to bomb forward now. We are going to sit in. But there was two really good chances, both for Olivier Giroud, um, one coming back off the post. Um be honest, were, were you were you a little bit fretting at that point? Because I just felt like I felt at 2-0 the game was over. And obviously that's what what proved to be in the end late on. But it was it was just I don't know, especially that one that hit the post. You see yeah. Giroud normally take those. And I just thought, oh, God, are we going to come back? Is that going to bite us on the backside? Bit concerning, wasn't it, Like to, to not have take those two chances? 
Well, it's the usual thing. You don't know how to take it. Like, it's good that you're creating these chances and then you're sort of thinking, oh, this is going to come back to bite us because well, well, there's only one goal in it. Um, the one that hit the post, I mean, I've seen he's got very low scores in all the sort of, um, you know, player ratings. And they kind of criticised his two misses. The one that hit the post, I thought, it wasn't like, it wasn't a gimme at all. I mean, he created the chance and it was a fantastic shot. I thought it was a bit unfortunate. The other one was a, not a bad miss. I mean, he snatched at it and had loads more time than he thought. Um, it was, Could by the way, after, after a poor Mbappe miscontrol when he, you know, should have been able to finish it himself in the first place. So uh, a little bit harsh, I think, as well. But yeah, I mean, obviously there's, Shiru and World Cup semi-finals don't necessarily go brilliantly together, but um, yeah, there was. I think especially when uh, you know when when that Morocco overhead kick, sort of as that sailing through the air, that's when, that's when you're thinking, oh, here we go. This is where we get punished for not putting those chances away. Yeah, that that was a it was a save, wasn't it? Like the more I've watched it back, it it does look like Norris gets a hand to it. I know it comes off the post, but. It does look from one angle, it looks straight to the post, and one other angle, it looks like he gets his hand on it. I, I did think he got the save, I wasn't, I yeah. I think it's a little bit of both, yeah, yeah. That timing almost <coughs> two coming together, but yeah, I, I did feel the same, and, and I do agree. I thought that the one off the post was just purely unlucky because he hit that really well. I think nine times out of ten, that either goes in the corner or in off the post. That was unfortunate. And the uh, the second one, as you rightly said, he just had more time than he realized, I think. Um, I know why he went to finish it the way he did, but yeah, he had a lot more time than than he first realised. Once the um, once the second half got on underway, once again, I sort of felt like France were they, they were just I wouldn't say they're in their shell, but they were definitely quite happy to keep that one nil in in place. Um, this is where we will give Morocco some credit for a team that, as I said, lost a player in the warm up, lost a player or lost their captain twenty minutes in. They <laughs> They didn't half give it a go, didn't they? And, and you know, full credit to them. They really did commit to having a go at France. And I actually think we should probably give the, the French defence some credit here. I thought Varane was was quietly very good. Konate, who came in, as you said, from the off because Supermeccano was was ill. I thought he sort of settled in quite well. There's one interception in particular. I thought he did really well. He just showed his pace. And the, the two in front, again, Fafana coming in for Rabio and Shuamani. That's a young midfield, but I thought both were were really good in protecting the defence. Did you want to give sort of Morocco a little bit of praise as well as giving that French defence some uh, some credit to you? Yeah, I mean, Morocco were excellent and was interesting. And in I know that like, throughout the tournament, everyone said they're fantastic defensively, but they're good going forward as well. They are, but they're good going forward. They've been good, effective going forward with 30% possession. And the tables have sort of turned. And, uh, you know, the, the Morocco coach after the match said that he warned the players, if France take the lead, they're going to look to you to keep the ball and have all the possession, don't fall into that trap. And they basically did fall into that trap because they ended up with about 60% possession. But they looked good with it. I mean, as I said earlier, you can really look at the match in two ways because... In some ways, France are in control to an extent in that, as I said, they didn't concede many shots on target. But Morocco did look, you know, that that sort of run down the middle, which was 
you know, looked at one point like it was almost going to be like Alvarez's goal for, for Argentina the other day. And the guy just, you know, didn't shoot when he should have done. And then the chance was lost. Um, yeah, that's an example. OK, fine. That doesn't count as a shot on target, but that's because he didn't get the shot away. And, and France did look a little bit stretched there. So they definitely didn't have it all their own way. And that's down to Morocco playing some excellent football. Yeah, yeah, okay. Couldn't couldn't uh, couldn't agree more. That forward line, we, we do have to we do have to address the elephant that is just wandered across the room there. Um I, I've 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 tried to sort of um not back you up because I think you're you're absolutely right in what you say about one Usman Dembele. Um last night, I must admit, I really I think I saw your tweet where you said, Oh, I didn't even realise he was playing. Um one of my other friends, Neil, who who's a, a fellow Arsenal fan, has a bit of a soft spot for France as well. And he uh, he texted me during the game and just said, like, what what does Dembele do? Like, I genuinely don't understand the hype. Um, I don't want to go down the critical line because obviously this is a, a time to enjoy getting to the final. But I do wonder if Christopher Nkunku had made this tournament, whether Dembele would still be in this lineup because he... He just flatters to deceive, doesn't he? And I have seen him do it for Barcelona. And it's not just the lack of tracking back, which was very evident, I thought, last night. Not just him, to be fair, Mbappe was the same. But he, I don't know, he just, he just, you look at him and to me, he's just frustrating. Like, he's athletic, he's quick, he's skillful, he's direct. Last night, I just didn't really feel like he, he offered anything, if I'm honest. What... What is it about him that that winds you up so much? What is it that grinds your gears? Is it purely that lack of defensive option, or is it like I sort of see it where he just doesn't do what you think he's in the team to do? No, it's more that. I mean, to be fair to him, I think he's done more defensive work than I expected of him. Um, and Mbappe, by the way, there's a stat that came out today that he's um, of all the players in the whole World Cup who've played at least 150 minutes, he's done the least defensive work. I don't know how they work that out, but at least the least sort of defensive tracking back. But I think that's what he's been told. You know, Deschamps probably told him not to. The problem is that I think we saw yesterday, and it shows sort of how important Rabio's quietly been, that it leaves a lot of space on the left. And I'm sure we'll come to our usual, you know, our daily. <laughs> Griezmann adoration slot later on and I'll mention something about that then but um, Dembele I think has done his defensive bit to an extent but what I look to him to do and what he's really there for is the attacking bit and I understand people who say yeah but just you know he's so exciting or you don't know what he's going to do is he going to go out on the outside is he going to cut onto the inside he's two-footed Usually what he does is run straight into the the one player facing him. And that's what frustrates me. He's just, to me, he rarely beats a man. And then when he tries to put a cross or a pass in, it's often wayward. But, you know, a lot of players have had their moment this World Cup. Maybe he's, he's saving his for Sunday. Um, I hope so. But um, I feel like the idea is that you're supposed to have danger on both flanks so that you know defenders have got something to worry about everywhere or they're thinking yeah but if we double team Mbappe that leaves someone um free on the right but it felt to me yesterday that France 
at a certain point during the match sort of lost faith in Dembele and stopped even like um, sort of making any plays down the right. So everything was happening in both directions on the left, on France's left-hand side. And, and secondly, that sort of by extension, the opposition aren't so worried about leaving him free because they're not, they're either expecting him not to get to the ball or to not do anything once he gets there. Yeah. It's just, it's just, yeah, just, just frustrating. Do, do you, do you agree with my thoughts on Nkunku or ironically, do you feel like Gresman would have, would have actually gone into that role had, had Nkunku been fit and maybe it, it could all have changed because it could have changed around that whole forward line or if Benzema was fit, you know, he would have probably played, but would you say Nkunku is a good fit for that particular position? Um, I don't know if it sort of negates some of Kunku's strengths if you have him sort of hugging a touchline, but I think he's definitely talented enough that he could have played it. And yeah, I think I think Nkunku could do a role like Turan did yesterday when he came on. I think he'll do a little bit more of a defensive shift, but also um, just provide a little bit more sort of oomph going forward, which I just don't feel like Dembele's done. Yeah. Yeah, we will absolutely come on to. In fact, let's let's come on to. to oh, by the way, Coman, when he's played in this World Cup, has been really disappointing as well, yeah. which is a shame because that might have sort of pushed Dembele a bit more. Yeah, he he really has flattered to deceive, hasn't he? I he was ill yesterday, to be fair, but when yeah. he has played, he hasn't played well. Yeah, hasn't really taken the opportunity. Yeah, he's another one of those that you see some days and you think, yep, yeah, other days you think, mm, I don't know. Um, two substitutions that that really did make a difference we'll come on to the second one in a minute but I felt that decision from Deschamps to replace um Giroud with with Turan was absolutely brilliant looking back wasn't it I mean because he changed the system as well moved Mbappe to more of a central um striker so it took him away from his mate Hakimi and I just thought Turan was I just thought he he did everything brilliantly he was tracking back um, he, he's a big old unit in terms of holding the ball up he ran the channels really well, offered a threat in behind. Um, I think he's, I think low key, he's had a very, he's had a very good tournament in the limited amount of games he's had or the limited amount of minutes he's had. But that, I just felt that substitution really changed the way the game was going. Did you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. But um, I think also sort of looking at it the other way, I think Giroud was, looking pretty tired, getting quite frustrated. So I think yeah. probably it was a good idea to, to give him half an hour off. Trying um, too hard, wasn't he, at one point? Yeah, I think so. By the way, I think he and a couple of others came in for some really rough treatment. And um, I'm surprised the ref didn't flash a few more yellow cards. Didn't give um, anything, did he? <laughs> he, was, he was fairly consistent to both teams, but yeah, he didn't really give yeah. anything. <clears throat> I mean, imagine if this ref had been refereeing the England match. Oh, don't even. We'd never <laughs> had the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it benefited Mbappe as well, who, look, if we're going to talk about him quickly, again, really didn't have a great match at all and was heavily involved in both goals. And I've, yeah, I yeah. think I worked it out. I still don't think he's played brilliantly this World Cup. But he's been involved in 11 out of France's 13 goals. Yeah, yeah. He's I'll had flashes, hasn't he? Yeah. I mean, that that to set up or we'll come on to it, the second goal was, you know, vintage him with footwork. But yeah, he, I think the advantage he has is he, he has that messy, 
and dare I say, when Ronaldo was good, um, status now, where if you see his name on the team sheet, it doesn't matter who you are, what nation, what team, whatever, you, you know that he's going to have a moment in the game. Even if he's appalling, he's going to have a moment. And if he's average, he's going to have several moments. And if he's really on it, he'll beat you on his own. So he's got that kind of, he's got that aura about him, hasn't he? And I do I do wonder if we've talked about the Liga situation, the PSG situation, that ego's got to be, I actually think he's been really humble in this in this World Cup. Um, I, I haven't really, I haven't noticed any times where he's had those PSG strops, um, probably because Deshaun wouldn't stand for it. But he he does, tracking back aside, he does seem to have put in the hard yards and he does seem to have been really focused on the team ethic in this World Cup. And he's got some goals, as you said, but if he's saving the goals for the final, I mean, I'm all for it. But you're absolutely right. He did kind of fade in and out of that game last night. Um, what did you make of his, his contribution for what proved to be the winning goal from Colin Moani? I think it was something like 16, 17 seconds or something stupid after he'd come off the bench. Um, I think to be fair, you and I could have tucked it away, but a lovely moment for a player who's had a, a good couple of years in Liga. Senator T saying it took him 44 seconds and one touch to, oh, score, okay. more, to score more World Cup knockout knockout stage goals than Ronaldo. Wow, <laughs> that's quite impressive. Put that on your CV. Yeah, I think Mbappe, I, I agree. I, I actually think he did a bit of defensive work. I'm surprised. I must have got the wrong impression from from that stat that I saw but I thought he did do a bit of defensive work against England not not yesterday but mm. I totally agree I think in the last two matches he sort of knows that he's a marked man and he's willing to kind of have that take that role you know he, he as well like you know especially considering he's got a dodgy ankle that Amrabat tackle for example that everyone's raving about yes he got the ball but I think that bloody dangerous and I think yeah. he should have been booked for that I agree yeah. um, out of control isn't it yeah um, <clears throat> so he's been you know he's been willing to take one or take several for the team we said against England you know at the end when they were defending that lead he was really good at sort of taking the ball into the corner holding it up drawing fouls um, not looking to, to score in those situations um, and again, was was involved in the first goal against England. So I, I totally agree. I think he's and also that that clip that you sent of that other angle of the Giroud goal, seeing the way that Mbappe was celebrating with Griezmann and then with Giroud, Giroud I think that was really good to see. So yeah. I think he's definitely sort of um, yeah, not so much maybe the first three, four matches. And I think everyone inside and outside France really overdid the this is Mbappe and 10 other people um, stuff. But he seems well embedded in the team. But what's interesting in terms of ego and whether anything will come out of it, and going back to your original question about Turam and the substitution, was that they might have been thinking about doing it anyway, but there's been a lot of coverage this morning amongst all the adoration of Griezmann, that he was the one that told the bench that they need to make a substitution to um, provide more support to Teo on the left. Yeah. Which I suppose can be seen as an inferred criticism of Mbappe. So it'll be interesting to see if there's any sort of fallout from that, because we know that Mbappe 
doesn't particularly like being questioned by certain teammates. So. <laughs> no, that would be fair to say, uh, something that would need to be jumped on if that is the case. I feel like it's, I feel like we can delay it no more. We, we need to jump into uh, Antoine Corner. Um, he was brilliant again, wasn't he, last night? Just it, the thing is, I, I was chatting to somebody about this and I was trying to make, I mean, they are an England fans, so, you know, we have to understand that. But um, jokes aside, he was saying to me, well, what's what's he done that Bellingham didn't do? What's he done that Saka didn't do? What's it? And I'm just like, it's not about the goals. It's not about the assists or the second assist. For the record, he's had those as well. But it's just his awareness. And the the movement, again, that he had last night, going into space. And something that I really noticed towards the end of the game, his ability to basically be in what would be the Schumann or Fafana role in that sort of holding midfield role towards the end. And he was putting in the team shift and just drawing fouls. There's one where he just, just rolled his body, uh, sort of opened his body up, let the ball roll across him and then just took the contact and went down. And that bought France five, six seconds to just reset. And then another 30 seconds to take the free kick, etc. He's just been, he's been a revelation. And I guess, obviously feel free to, to, had your own praise here but I guess the question I would ask is are we seeing the makings of a new player here is he going to go back to club football and and sort of go back into this role are we seeing that evolution as he gets older do you feel like this will continue or is it just that he's done a job because that is what he does you know and that is the player he is feel free to to wax lyrical because I just I just thought he was brilliant again last night so the first thing I'd say is that you should have said to your mate yeah, you're right. He's doing what Bellingham did and he's doing what Saka did. But the point is, he's doing all of them. By yeah, himself. exactly. Yeah. Very true. Um, the second point is just a bit of self-publicity. I dug out a tweet that I sent two years ago saying that Griezmann could play as a number six or a number eight or anywhere he wants to on the pitch. He's that good. So maybe Deschamps has been reading my tweets. Um, oh, I, yeah, I... I don't want to, I sort of don't want to say he's a revelation or um, this is the making of a new player because I feel like this is just a continuation of what he's always done and what he did in the knockout stages in 2018. He's playing in a deeper role and he's got more defensive responsibility, but he was always doing his defensive shift anyway. I guess the, the main thing is now that he's nowhere near goals. So he's, and he's not even, to be fair, looking to, to score. I think he's, I can only think of one shot he's had this World Cup. Um, <coughs> but, yeah, I suppose in the sense that it is a new position for him, I guess, I suppose in that way it is maybe a revelation, but it's not a surprise to see that he's still able to do his defensive work. He's still able to find spaces between the lines and he still totally controls the tempo of a game. It's amazing that one person can do that. He knows when he went to sort of put his foot on the ball and slow things down. He knows when to speed things up. He's, if not the best, certainly among the best sort of one-touch footballers in the world. He's still got great set-piece delivery. Um, he, he does it all. And, yeah, as you said, I mean, a friend of mine who is Irish, so was very pro-France um, on Saturday, but still hasn't forgotten Thierry Henry, and so it's very anti-France the rest of the time, sent me a message near the end saying, um, can't believe the levels of shithousery from France, or the sort of, and your mate Griezmann is such a diver. 
I, look, I suppose if the shoe's on the other foot, I would, I maybe I would say the same. But as you said, I, I don't, I'm not sure. I don't think he is a diver. I think Mbappe is a diver, and I think he's a terrible diver, by the way. But agreed. Um, yeah. Griezmann, I'm not sure they're dives. I think he sort of draws fouls, and as you said, he just knows when to go down. He just senses this. It's like a sixth sense the way he plays football. He just seems to know when what the right thing to do is in most situations and you know even there was I think I think France made like 14 clearances from their own area he made three of them considering he's probably the shortest player on the on the on the pitch and that's not his position that's that's a big percentage from one player yeah is he, is he almost having the tournament like Giroud had at the last World Cup where, you know, he was in the team? It's slightly different because Giroud was obviously in the team to score goals. But is he almost having that? He's almost having that, you know, sacrificing his goals for the team, isn't it? It's very similar parallels to what he was doing in, in that or what Giroud was doing in the last World Cup. Yeah. And despite that, if you look at his stats for um, goals and assists in major tournaments, in the last like 50 years for France, he's miles ahead of everyone else. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think in this World Cup, he is sacrificing that. And look, on Sunday, after Sunday, probably Messi will be named player of the tournament, whatever happens, because well done, he scored three penalties. Um, <laughs> or if Mbappe has a good game, he may well be. And like I said, you know, he's he has been in, involved in 11 of 13 goals, fair enough. But I think it's hard to look past Griezmann as the best player of this tournament so far. Mm. You, you beat me to it because I was going to ask you that very question. So, yeah, I, I tend to agree. Um, I feel like I feel like Mbappe will get it if France win. And as you said, I feel like Messi will get it if Argentina win. It's just written in the stars, isn't it? But... but- how nice would it be if Giroud scored two? Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <scorer. laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. 100%. I do want to tip the hat to Jules Kunde as well for that block late on, because although it was very late on, I thought his he positioned himself perfectly to stop that one on the line. I think there was about two minutes to go. Um, People haven't as... made much fuss about him, but I thought he had his best France match by quite Yeah, a I do. Especially after he, because he, he got torn apart in, in, in the last game and, and I just felt that he's sort of grown into the tournament but yeah he's very quietly come in and, and done a very good job and uh, whilst I still think that there is room for a proper right back quote unquote to come through um, he has been he has been pretty good and like I said Canate coming in last night no issues with him um, just out of interest would, would you, you start with <laughs> I was just going to say yeah you know would you would you say <laughs> the players who have the shirt go into to Sunday or, or would you be tempted to bring back? I think the Rabio one is, I, I think that's a, that's a no brainer. Cause I think you need that experience. Fafana did well last night, but I feel like Rabio just has to come back in if fit, but the centre back one. That's I think a bit the thing more... is that Fafana is a different player. So him sure. coming in actually probably helped you a many who I think maybe had his best match. This yeah. Week, that is very good. Yeah. Cause he was allowed to push forward a bit more. I think he'd been frustrated up till now. But run as well when he broke through and just took on seemingly everyone as he bombarded (laughs) through the middle was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, I think you've got to, I think Rabio, I think yesterday highlighted how good Rabio's been. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Because, yeah, as well as sort of 
projecting forwards I think he's quietly also been just providing a lot of cover on the left side yeah so yeah. definitely I'd bring him back and then Kanate up and Okano Okano's aside I think whoever misses out it's a bit harsh I mean you know clearly Deschamps considers Okano his starter so it's harsh if he was to lose his place just because he was ill but then Kanate when he's played has done nothing wrong yeah I I don't know if it's just because I've always been more drawn to it from Meccano. I still feel like sometimes Canate's on those players, he's doing these brilliant last-ditch blocks. But sometimes I wonder, have you made it last-ditch because you were maybe a yard out of position in the first place? I don't know. Maybe that's harsh. but I, I feel like Canate will be... I feel like once he becomes Liverpool's first choice centre-half, which I think will happen throughout the course of this season, because I feel like Matip's been very good, but I feel like he will be the, the long-term successor to partner Van Dijk. I feel like he'll get better and better under that kind of guidance from that type of player. But I just feel at the moment there's still a mistake in there. Um, whereas yeah. Upa Meccano... Those you know, Van Yeah. And, and, and I, also, I, also, I also feel like uh, Upa Meccano is... Um, he's he's come through tough times at Bayern, hasn't he? Had that really really tough start to his Bayern career. He was making a lot of errors, uh, and I feel like he's got better over time. Yeah. So I feel like he's come through that period of time. Even against England, I mean, yeah, Kane sort of turns in a couple of times in the first half, but I thought by the end of that match, he was relatively in control as well. Yeah, and distribution-wise, I think even McCona gets the nod on that one, personally. Yeah. But uh, what's just before we preview, or I say preview, you know, just talk a bit about the final. There's not too much to preview. It, we know what's going to happen in terms of two big giants coming together. But um, irrespective of what the outcome of the final is, there is a lot of discussion around Deschamps' future. And the, the latest is that he is potentially considering staying around for the Euros good move for you in terms of if that does happen would would you say that is a, a good a good wise move to kick the team on um <coughs> it's interesting that before the match i've had a thing saying by reaching the semi-finals he's achieved what was meant you know he that is success that's what they consider to be success mm. but having reached the semi-final against morocco if they lost that, then it would retrospectively, or it would sort of be relegated back to maybe not a success. If you know yeah. I mean. um, and it's a mark of where France are, but a lot of that is down to him that, you know, anything less than a semi final and because of the circumstances, less than a final could arguably be considered a disappointment. Um, France have reached four of the last seven World Cup finals. Um, That's nuts, isn't it? And they've under Deschamps, they've reached three of the last four major tournament finals and yeah. one of the Nations League in between. So, um, <clears throat> I again, a lot of this, I suppose, just comes down to whether you like Deschamps or not. But, you know, I saw someone yesterday say I'd give him a contract now until he's 80. <laughs> I, I think the same person later on said every time I, you know, I'm in a situation where I'm not sure what to do, I think to myself, what would Didier do? And yeah, I think I'm probably in that guy's school. Um, I I do worry about coaches staying on too long. You know, Yogi Love, I suppose, is a good example recently that if you're there for too long, it feels like things get stale. But at the same time, sometimes, to be fair, by sort of circumstance, which is definitely the case this World Cup, um, 
I think Deschamps has been very effective at sort of turning over his team. And yeah, you've got that spine of, of like Loris, um, Griezmann, Giroud, Baran. Baran, that's who I was missing, mm. who, you know, have got over 100 caps on average between them and, and are on the wrong side of 13. I'm sure I would expect a couple of them to, to retire probably after this World Cup. But um, he does still seem to be able to motivate the youngsters, be able to create a really good atmosphere within within the um, the setup. And I think as long as he can keep doing that, I think he's earned the right to stay. I mean, yeah. to an extent, if he did choose to stay, especially if they won it, if he chose to stay, I would find it a bit strange. Mm. Um, you'd have thought maybe he'd want to quit while he's on top. He knows there's enough people criticising him. He knows that Zidane has always had a sort of massive kind of lobby behind him. Yeah, um, I was just going to say, what does Zidane do if he stays? Yeah, so sort of, you know, where do you go from there? I mean, apart from going for three in a row, mm. uh, no, you know, obviously I'm not saying they've won it or anything, but um, I, yeah, I just, I suppose where, yeah, where do you go from there if you were to win it? But then where do you go from there if you leave? Does yeah. he go back into club management? I don't think it would suit him. Hinted before that maybe he'd consider sort of um, taking over a, a international managerial role for maybe an African team. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know, but I'd be happy for him to stay, definitely. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And um, where is the Euros? Is it Germany? Next one. I don't know. I can't actually remember. Just hope it's in one place. Yeah, yeah, great. Um, and I do want to give some credit to Guy Stefan as well, because I feel I feel like he's been very consistently, whether it's just because he's been on the camera a lot, I don't know. Um, but I feel like he's been crucial to today's shop. Just assistant managers don't always get the credit they deserve in terms of you know the, the influence they're able to have. Um, I feel like he would be really important to, to stick around if if France did retain. Uh, Deschamps and it is indeed Germany by the way in 2024 uh, Berlin, Munich, Frankfurt, Hamburg Dusseldorf, Stuttgart, Cologne, Leipzig Dortmund and Gelsenkirchen so uh, easy to navigate if you fancy nipping across to Germany um, but yeah we shall see and nice to see Blaise Matuidi was uh, in, in attendance last night saw some quite fun pictures of him having a lovely time in the dressing room after the game so good to see him back um, let's look ahead to the final then I mean there isn't too, when I say there isn't too much to say, that sounds ridiculous because it's a World Cup final, but we, we know what we're going to get here, don't we? You know, we know that the, the, the neutral is going to want Argentina to turn up because of the Messi factor. We, we probably know that Argentina, I say we know, we suspect Argentina are going to much, probably play similarly again. I think there's going to be a lot of, a lot of low blocking, a lot of shithousery. Um, I and, think Paredes is going to be following Griezmann around. Yeah. Did you see the, uh, I think it was Jonathan Johnson who tweeted, um, I think it was him, and he said, uh, come Sunday, Leandro Paredes could be a World Cup winner. And he just tweeted him just volleying a pass out of play. <laughs> I just thought that was quality. Um, but yeah, you know what you're going to get from France, don't you? Uh, from France, from Argentina, sorry. And is it more about what France do to stop Messi? I mean, I don't want to make it all about him, but you can't overlook the fact that he is going to have a massive part to play. Julian Alvarez has actually really impressed me, so I think he needs to be kept 
uh, you know, an eye on as well. But is it all about France going out to win this game or is it about them doing a Morocco again and just being very careful and taking the chances when when they come along? Because I, I can't see another Pavard 35 yard curling screamer and a you know four two is it four two it was four two wasn't it when I can't see it being a high scoring affair <laughs> um I mean I think it could go either way because I do think both team strengths are, are going forward and neither team have got a great defense. Um so it could turn into a crazy match but I think it's less likely I think and in a final I think there's going to be more nerves at stake I think I think everyone's going to be just that little bit more cautious. And then, yeah, I suppose it depends on which playmakers kind of create space and create play for themselves. Um, I know I was being flippant about the penalties. That was more about you know, Messi being joint top of the scoring charts with, with Mbappe. But he has been very... I mean, he's been good in the same way as Mbappe, like little fleeting moments, but crucial moments. Games. So, you know, yeah. that passed on. Netherlands, that run the other day. Um, and this is another step up for France. So um, I am nervous about it. I think everything about Argentina is a lot more harmonious than than it was four years ago. I think it's a, a better team, a better, better tactical manager, um, a better atmosphere, uh, more of a sort of sense of destiny about it. Mm. Um, so I am worried about that. And on the other side, I think France don't have as many sort of references in them as, as they did four years ago, but they're building it as they go. And so far, they've passed each test pretty well. Um, yeah. So I think it's going to be very tight and it could... I don't want... I almost don't want it to come down to that because it just feels like it feeds all the lazy journalism and also Qatar will have a sort of wet dream about it. But it almost feels like it could come down to which of those two produces a moment of magic. Yeah. So, I mean, basically what we're saying is a, a Rabiot 35-yard bicycle kick wins it on Sunday then. Uh, <laughs> I, just, I... Like I said, I would... I would love for Giroud to somehow score the winner in the World Cup final, make him the, you know, hopefully he's already got one in the match, so it will make him the um, golden boot as well. That oh, would just be so funny. Yeah, yeah I agree. I agree. Um, yeah. I, I, obviously, I'm going to say it because I say it all the time. I've just got a bad feeling. I think Argentina are going to win it. Yeah, uh, you've had that. You've had that sort of bad feeling all the way, <laughs> all the way through the tournament. But no, I, I, I just I, do... I think Argentina are having the sort of classic tournament of a team that wins things. Like started crap, were arguably pretty lucky, not lucky, but were not very good getting through the group stage, and have gradually got better. And even if the play hasn't been good, they've built their belief so that and. Again, going back to how we started, I think that's so important. And that's what France have got now that they never used to have. That yeah. there's some somehow the belief that or their entitlement to be there kind of gives them some kind of head start or advantage over certain other teams anyway. Mm. And I just feel like maybe Argentina have got a bit more of that than France coming into Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. And that, what I do hope as well is I, I hope that 
Um, you know, I don't want to label Argentina, but there has been quite a bit of shithousery from them in this tournament. And I do hope that France don't fall for that um, because I, I don't feel they'll come out of that well if Argentina turn it into a, a you know, a rough and tumble affair. I just don't think that will suit. I don't think me. they'd like fall for it as in stoop to their level, but I really yeah. hope that the referee gives them a decent amount of protection. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I know that England fans will be out in force if they don't and any French people complain about it, but, yeah, um, you know, it's the World Cup final. You do want to see Griezmann at least being allowed to sort of pick up a ball without having his Achilles snapped or something. Yeah. You want to see a really good game or a, a very boring 1-0 France win, one or the, one or the other, but, yeah, um, I presume it won't be Stephanie Frappard or... Um, uh, Clement Turpin in this final so I presume I don't know who the referee's going to be but it's not going to be either of the French contingent so we'll have that to deal with but yeah I hope we uh, I hope we see a good game um, but as I just said I, I would more than happily settle for a, a very drab 1-0 win to be fair um, Even if it's a good game I'm only interested in that yeah. win it as well. <laughs> yeah agreed yeah agreed it is going to be uh, going to be an interesting one and it's uh, it's 3 o'clock isn't it on Sunday is it 3 o'clock Three o'clock or four o'clock UK time. Three or four. I think it's three, yeah. Yeah, so earlier in the day, isn't it? Um, Good stuff. Okay, so we've got that. And then um, we're back into Liga. It's um, it's really weird, isn't it? Really, really weird. Uh, And I do wonder what sort of season we're going to have after this. Um, One thing's for sure, the the Messi and Bafé relationship is going to be very interesting in the second half of the season. Um, I do jest slightly because I'm sure, you know, they're both professionals, you know, I'm sure there's going to be... They are, but I'm fascinated to see which Neymar comes back. Yeah, I agree. I do agree. Yeah. I've got a suspicion that he might not be at the next World Cup, you know. I don't know. I just just have a feeling. Uh, So what's he, 31 now? I just, I don't know. don't know whether he'll be there, but we shall see. Yeah. Messi's there now, so I don't know. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I was just looking at Neymar's style of play relies on his sort of his pace and his quick feet and everything. And I just, whereas Messi is, uh, you know, sort of more of a deeper player, isn't he? Or, you know, he has that ability to drift in and out of games, whereas I feel Neymar has to be involved. So, I don't know. There's another stat for you to finish off with. Mm-hmm. Um, France have run less than... Un- in last night's match, France ran less than any other team in this World Cup, except for... France when they played Poland. <laughs> Controlled. And, and they're, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. And they're yeah. um, playing against Messi, who's run less than anyone in the world since about 2017. Yeah. So. I, I have a suspicion, by the way, that if Argentina don't win this, I think it will come out that Messi's not been fit the whole tournament. I'm just going to put that out there now. I don't think he looked anywhere near fit. Um, but you know, when you're that good, you can get through it. But I, yeah, I don't, I don't think he's anywhere near 100 percent to be honest. But um, I suppose that could go for quite a lot of players. In fairness, I was going to say, I think there's a lot of that. Yeah, and I just hope this bug going around the front squads sort of doesn't have too many victims before Sunday as well. Because considering that apparently they didn't run much yesterday, I thought yeah. a lot of players looked tired at times. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Yeah. If it's anything like the bug I've got, then it's not fun. <laughs> not fun at all. Um, but yeah, we will look forward to that uh, that final. Um, well done to the French FA, by the way. You've you've got the best part of 100 quid out of me because I have ordered the, the shirt now. So well done. I've held off all this time 
um but i have pulled the trigger today so yeah you've made some money well done uh, <laughs> but we will be looking forward to that game obviously we will be back with a pod to sum it all up uh, likelihood is it will probably be on Monday as we've mentioned before weekends are a little bit tough for us to record so we'll probably be back on the Monday to uh, pull through the, uh, the the goods or the bads hopefully more of the goods uh, than the bads and hopefully we're here to have uh, a very enjoyable celebratory pod so uh, keeping fingers crossed um, Jez do you want to just mention to people if they wanted to listen to you did an appearance on TalkSport last night yeah I was on Paul Ross's show, you can listen back. I was on Paul Ross's show last night, or sort of very early this morning. I also was on sun, Sunday night or Monday. Yeah, Monday. I can't remember now. It was either very early Sunday morning or very early Monday morning. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to be on TalkSport or TalkSport 2 later in the week as well. I've been on Sirius XM. FC speaking to Brighton legend Tony Miola and Eric Winalda among others. So, yeah, You're France, France going deep is quite good for me as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you, you are everywhere, and I suspect if I was on wins, BBC Sheffield last week as well. Okay, <laughs> is there any way you haven't been getting <laughs> getting about? Um, yeah, I suspect that you will get a few more calls if uh, if Labour do pull off the victory, and let's not forget to get to back-to-back finals is an incredible achievement regardless of what happens uh, but let's hope that we can uh, also achieve back-to-back world cups wouldn't that be something right well thank you Jess, for uh, bearing with my sickly self and uh, thank you very much for your time today thank you thanks for dragging yourself out of your deathbed <laughs> no worries <laughs> i shall live i've got another podcast to do tonight i think so oh god oh, bring on the weekend anyway uh whether you are french or you're just like me and you happen to be and indeed jess whether you just happen to be a follower of the french national team or if you're just a fan of Liga and you just want to get behind the national team whatever it may be uh, let's mm-hmm. hope for a memorable sunday and a fantastic victory Until then, allez le bleu, and we'll speak to you very soon.